This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 415. Billionaires take uh, asymmetric bets. And, you know, you, you always hear that, you know, uh, great risk, great rewards. And, you know, billionaires would just disagree with that. I mean, you could still take bets that if you're right, you would be ridiculously rich. And if you're wrong, you just, you just didn't lose much. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everyone? It's Brandon Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. David Green. David, thanks for coming back on the show again, man. I, uh, not that I was worried about you not coming on, but it's good to have you here again. There's literally nowhere that I'd rather be. Thank you, Brandon. Uh- all right, good. Well, today's show uh, is all about uh, billionaires, and I don't want that to scare anybody off. What really we're talking about today is some of the habits, the traits, the things that that wealthy people do, and and like our guest goes into specifically how you can apply these things to your life. In fact, he goes into three specific traits that billionaires have that you can adopt to your life today to immediately become more successful in pretty much every area of your life this stuff applies to, which is pretty cool. So uh, we're going to get to that in just a minute. But before we do, why don't we get to today's quick tip? All right. So our quick tip is simple. So recently I uh, actually on David's recommendation, I went and refinanced my house because he's like, hey, we'd actually in today's episode with Stig, we talk about uh, the house I bought and it was expensive. And I went and refinanced it. And I saved like, I don't know, almost a thousand dollars a month. I think it was like 700 or something like that. Uh, way lower interest rate. It's awesome. Right. Uh, but it brought me and David were talking about that earlier. And we were just talking about this point where like, sometimes people focus so much on acquiring new stuff or trying to buy something new, build something new, hire someone new. Uh, and sometimes it's worth looking at what you have and saying, Hey, can I optimize this better? Because like my work of refinancing this house wasn't that difficult, but I saved more than I would have, if I would have bought in several new rental properties, which would have taken me a lot more work. And so that's kind of the quick tip today is if, I mean, whether it applies to, you know, refinancing or something totally different. Uh, and if you're going to refinance, just call them, call a couple mortgage brokers, call a couple lenders. I mean, if you're in California, call David Green, like whatever, like just call somebody and be like, Hey, what rate can you offer me? What would my new payment be? And uh, see what they can do. Cause it's just a good way to preserve some more money and make some more money. David, any thoughts on that? That's a great point that you saved more money refinancing than you would have made if you were to go and acquire more property and it was less work. So And it cost me no money to do it. There yeah, it go. cost me no money to do it. So yeah, that's kind of cool. The ROI on that's like infinite. Infinite. Yeah. It runs, it's like the upside downside conversation we had on today's show with our guest, uh, Stig. I'm going to get his last name, Broderson. Hope I said that right. Uh, Stig is awesome. When we talk about risk today. Uh, and I just think that's a really good example of like refinancing is, an, is a perfect example of what we're about to talk about later in today's show. You'll know what I mean when we get there. Yep. Great point. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'll, listen, we talk, we go a little bit in the stock market investing a little bit, like beginner mistakes. Not a lot of time on that, but a little bit because there's a lot of people listening to this that want a balanced portfolio, real estate and stocks. So we talk a little bit about that with somebody who has studied it like more than almost any person I've ever known in my life. Uh, we talk about how to know what asset class is the right one for you and a whole lot more. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. 
That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, like me, to get six months of rent ready for $1, which is crazy. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day, plus Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. With that, I think we're ready to launch this thing. You ready, David Green? Let's bring him in. All right, let's get to the interview with Stig Broderson. And by the way, everyone, so Stig, if you're wondering how he ended up on the show, uh, besides the fact that he's wicked smart and super cool, uh, he has his own podcast called We Study Billionaires. You've probably seen it in the iTunes or Spotify or Google Play, you know, whatever you're listening to podcasts on uh, their rankings, because he has got a really like top rated investing show, again, called We Study Billionaires. So we are uh, super lucky to have a guy uh, like Stig with us today. So with that said, let's get to the interview. All right, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast. Stig, how you doing, man? Welcome. I'm great. I'm great. Brandon David, thank you so much for having me on your show. I mean, it's a it's an honor. Oh, thanks, man. I'm I'm excited to dig into your your story a little bit, your your life. Uh maybe we can start by just getting a quick background on on first of all, who you are and why are you here, why are you here today? Like uh you you're not an active like super active American real estate investor like 99% of people on this show are. So, uh, kind of what's your background? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm actually sitting in Denmark right now, and I am Danish. And I know for most of you, like a Danish, isn't that like a cake or something you would go yeah. to the bakery? <laughs> like, no, it's like you're it's just a person from Denmark. So yeah, I, I was here, and and you know, I I got to know your team, and so we just thought about it could be fun to like chat, and and perhaps I could bring something else to the game. You know, I am not a typical real estate American based investor. I'm I'm definitely in this. Other weird thing, you know, studying billionaires, talking a bit about stock investing. So, uh, yeah, so so I guess that's my background. Cool. Yeah, I, I you know, and I, the reason I thought this would be fun too is because we, you know, myself included, tend to get in these ruts where like all I do is surround myself with the same type of people who do the same type of investing. And so uh, what I'm trying to do is get outside that zone a little bit. And I want our audience to as well think like what else is possible out there? And then not so much even that maybe they're not going to go and invest the same way you invest, but I want them to think and I want people to think and I want to think the way that you think. I want to learn the way that you think and the way that you process. And I know you interview a ton of really, really high value people. People are very smart uh, and very wealthy. Uh, and you've studied this, obviously. You have a podcast on that you, you study billionaires, right? So you, you know this stuff. Uh, and so I just thought our audience could get a ton of value. So why don't we start at the kind of beginning you know, my producer Kevin here says that we need to ask you about your connection with Bigger Pockets, and and I'm I have no idea what that is. So you know, what's up with Bigger Pockets and you? You know, you guys probably don't know it, but you know, the next time we gonna meet up, not only will you have the traditional Danish dish I told you about before we started the interview, stick yeah. fresco basilic sauce. We will. Wait, I'm sorry. Stick stick fingers, vanilla <laughs> right, sauce. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> right. Got it. Got it. <laughs> and so we will also have. I think I owe everyone on the team a beer, and I know that your team is growing, so it might be very expensive for me to promise yeah. that. But <laughs> you know, it's uh, it, it's pretty cool. So back in back in 2016, I actually didn't have a relationship really with with bigger pockets. Uh, I was in Seoul, South Korea, and and I didn't know 
anyone and you know I didn't speak the language and well whenever I say I didn't know anyone I I sort of like had this one cup of coffee with this random dude who was there his name was Kevin and he heard about me because we before then had interviewed uh Josh on our podcast so okay yeah yeah you know that was more or less that you know Josh gave us this great idea that we should have like a mic flag you know he was uh <laughs> he was actually the very reason for that and so so but that was really it you know not like a close knit connection anything like that but you know we we were there and you know i um, i felt a little weird and this was i wasn't together with kevin whenever that happened this happened probably a few few uh weeks later and i just started to feel a little weird actually i, I didn't really feel good at all and you know i, I had to I had to be hospitalized and the doctors told me I had appendicitis and I needed surgery mm. right away. And I know this, you're already thinking this is a morbid story. It has a somewhat good ending. So I do, do want to lead with that. And so, you know, nice doctors at the world, they were like, no, you know, it's, it's, it's bad. You know, you need surgery. Uh, we only have VIP suites available, but please, you know, show me your insurance. And, um, uh, so that was pretty bad, not just because I still, you know, to this day doubt if they truly only had VIP suites available, or they could just feel I was a very, let's call them motivated buyer. And so I didn't have any valid insurance, and the hospital wouldn't take my visa card because, you know, this wow. was a large amount in a foreign currency, um, in, in a foreign country even, and my, you know, my bank automatically blocked my my card because, you know. It was just weird. It was just procedure. Yeah. And it was daytime in Seoul, but like it was the middle of night in Denmark. So I couldn't call anyone for them to, to raise my limit. So what do I do? I knew one person there in Seoul, my friend from Bigger Pockets. And yeah. he came to the hospital and bailed me out. And it wasn't, it was a pretty sizable, it was a f- like pretty sizable bill. Let's just call it like that. And I'm not, obviously, I'm not telling you a story because I want people to, like, I don't want, you, Brandon, to be like flooded with hospital bills from your listeners. That's not what I'm saying. But <laughs> I I didn't know the guy. He didn't know me. But because of bigger powers, because he knew we had this relationship, he trusted me enough to just like, you know, put the MasterCard down and be like, I'm going to pay for this. So, guys, what can I That's say? I, I own you probably more than <laughs> one beer next time. It's it's incredible what you guys have built with bigger pockets. It's just unbelievable. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, I like to think of the bigger pockets community as just like, like it, it's weird because you think like real estate investors, especially, and just people in like in business and entrepreneurship would be very against each other. But what I find is that most people in the bigger pockets community are are always for each other, right? We're always helping each other out and trying to like you know grow as a community, which is just kind of a cool thing that Josh built, and uh, you know David and I are kind of carrying the torch today. So that's a very cool story. Big, bigger pockets saved your life. You can you can cut me a check in the future if you'd like to. Stig, I'll take. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. All right. So let's talk about billionaires for a minute. First of all, uh, where did the whole idea, like what's the what's the story behind We Study Billionaires, the the Investor Podcast Network? Like where'd that come from? Yeah, so it, it's, it's a good question because studying billionaires, I mean, it seems like such a tall order. I mean, <laughs> who would even yeah. start doing that? So, you know, this goes all the way back to 2012, 2013, probably even before we started. And, you know, I, I just hated my day job. And I'm, I'm sure a lot, of, a lot of your listeners can really resonate with that. And so, you know, I'm with some friends of mine and one of my friends claimed that being successful is not really a secret, which was, you know, nice <laughs> to know because to <laughs> us, it was like this big black box, you know, some people were rich and we definitely were not rich. So, so how did it happen? And his idea was, and by the way, he wasn't rich either, but um, his, his idea was just that you could just do what other successful people are doing. And, you know, even if you're not doing as well as a billionaire, I mean, hey, you might still end up becoming a millionaire. So, so why not get, go into well, the, you know, some of the same habits at least. And, you know, we, Obviously, we had a few beers at this part in time. So, you know, we were just all about, you know, big talk. Like, we got to conquer the world, right? Yep. So, what we did was that we we pulled up the Forbes 400 list. Because why wouldn't we? Just for, for inspiration. And at the very top of the list, then you have Bill Gates. Like $72 billion. And I was like, am I going to be the next Bill Gates? Well, you know, I probably couldn't think of a person in the world who would be as bad as creating a new Microsoft and disrupting technology as me. So, you know, so much for for being the next billionaire, right? So number two on that list, that was Warren Buffett. Well, Mm -hmm. a measly $58 billion, but still, you know, 
Mm. A nice chunk Poor change. Guy. Uh, Poor guy. Poor guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so to some extent, it seemed a lot more like me. And keep in mind, I, I didn't know anything about stock investing, but you know, he was sitting at home figuring out what to invest in. I mean, it didn't seem easy, but it didn't. I mean, it seemed a lot easier than what Bill Gates did. So, sure. you know, reading about him and, and you know, it just, he just fascinated me because, you know, he started talking about he was always tap dancing to work. And, you know, if, if there was one person that wasn't, you know, tap dancing to work, that was me. And, you know, he didn't have a boss. Check. I like that idea, not having yeah. a boss. So, you know, I decided to figure out how, how do I invest in stocks? And, you know, at that point in time, you know, I, I thought perhaps I could be the next Warren Buffett. And it probably took me one to two seconds to figure out that I, I'm not, you know, no, no will I ever be. <laughs> and so being a student at Warren Buffett, you know, I, um, I went to this Warren Buffett community and this is, this is as dry as you could probably think, you know. Uh, so I would go to this, you know, online community about Warren Buffett, talking about stock picks. And um, I met my co-host back then. And, we, you know, we talked back and forth about, you know, not, not to the same extent as Bigger Pockets, but it was still like, hey, stranger, let's see if we can help each other become wealthier. Let's help each other, you know, invest. And so, you know, I would say at that point in time, we had a reasonable idea how to invest. Or she was, well, let's say I was just less bad. But you know, based on that, we decided to start. Uh, we decided to start what, what was called the Investors Podcast at the time. It was later rebranded to to We Study Billionaires. That's cool, man. Yeah. So you you decided to start a podcast to study billionaires, and then I'm assuming you started investing as well. Like, I mean, you're you're in like stocks and stuff right now, right? Like, what's your what what do you personally do investing wise? Like, what have you taken from all these people and applied to your life? Yeah, so so for us, you know, uh, it was really stocks. You know, stocks always resonated with me, um, and so I also invest into real estate. But I don't have the. I think there was just some asset classes that speaks more to you than than other asset classes. There's uh-huh. just something that just makes makes more sense. And so, you know, for for someone like me, I, I could probably have you know chosen any other uh, billionaire if, if if at least that billionaire has been you know a top <laughs> a top of the list. But the whole idea about you know sitting at home, I tend to be an introvert kind of guy, but you know, sitting at home studying, you know, doing some research, investing. I mean that that seemed quite appealing to me uh compared to so many other type of asset classes so yeah you know i, I don't want to move past this because it's so powerful and we talked about this actually on another recent episode we did and i use this phrase like follow the fire like we even sell a t-shirt now bigger pockets called follow the fire in other words when you have this like interest this fire for an asset class like follow that like i don't think like this is going to sound sacrilegious coming from the like, bigger pockets guy right like i don't think real estate is the best investment for everyone I think the best investment for everyone is the one that fires them up, right? It's the one that you, like you were like stocks. Oh, I'm running towards. Like I tried reading a book on stocks one time in my life. I I couldn't get through it. I got through like one chapter and I was like, I just I don't get it. I don't like it. It doesn't doesn't feel right to me. But it resonated in your like your soul. You're like, yes, this is what makes sense, and that's why I think you leaned into that. Uh, do you also find like is that is that what you see in all your studying of billionaires and all the people you've interviewed? Is that do you see that common trait? Is they they went after what they just loved? Yeah, uh, I think you bring up a good point. You know, it. I think we all can start with you know analysis paralysis, especially whenever we are just starting out with something brand new. And you know, there, there might be, I guess there might be like listening to me or listening to you and like, oh my god, you know, Brandon and David have done all these amazing deals, and how can I ever do that? And you just you know get your feet wet, just start making one deal, just like just do something, just. Start yeah. investing one dollar and then see what resonates with you. I mean, you could be you could be the smartest guy in the room, but if you haven't invested that you know single dollar, you know, <laughs> it, what is it really worth? You know, you really have to you really have to go out there. So, uh, really to to your point, um, studying studying billionaires, like how do they invest and what do they have in in common? I would say that we probably found three timeless principles for all the billionaires that we studied. And mm. so, uh, so let me let me list those three, and then I can dig into each uh, one of them. Um, I want to say the first thing is that billionaires actually want to be millionaires. Uh, the second thing is that they make asymmetric uh, bets or asymmetric investments, if you like. And then the last thing is that billionaires are just learning machines. Mm. And so, to the first one, people might already be like, 
hey, I want to be a millionaire. Does that mean I'll become a billionaire? That sounds <laughs> yes, yes, guaranteed. Yes, sign me <laughs> up, right? And so, I would argue that ninety nine percent of people do not want to become millionaires, and that's why they don't want to become billionaires. And you might be like, that still doesn't make any sense. But let me let me try and let me try and confuse you. What do you think of if I say I want to give you a million dollars? So what do I think of? What do I think of? Like, yeah, I'm going to give you a million dollars. I don't know if that's the best I, test. This is for the sake of argument. Sure. I think, I think you, well, my first thought is you'd have to be really rich to want to give me a thousand, a million dollars uh, <laughs> and a very nice guy. <laughs> well, thank you. But, you know, <laughs> I've done this test with a few because people do come and ask me, oh, like, how do I, how do I become a millionaire or a billionaire? And like, like, I'm, uh, and, and I would say that I always ask them, so, oh, okay, you, you get a million dollars. Like what? What then? And then most people say, I'm definitely going to buy a bigger home, bigger TV, mm. yep. bigger car. And uh, perhaps you're already a, a millionaire, Brenda. So I don't even, oh, even a billionaire. Who knows? Sorry. <laughs> that, that was I might my, be that a billionaire. Thinking. <laughs> I'm, I'm working there. <laughs> working there. And so, you know, most people don't want to be millionaires. They, they want to spend a million dollars. Yes. Yes. And they're wishing for a million dollars. And there again, there's nothing wrong with spending a million dollars. Like, hey, you earned it. Spent them. That's that's fine. And but if that is what drives you spending a million dollars, you'll probably never become a, a millionaire in the first place. And let, let me just give you one story. You know, uh billionaire Charlie Munger, vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway, you know, he he did it for independence. It wasn't a question of money, it was really independence. So, you know, he just loved the game so much and he was so much into the habit of underspending investing the difference that you know with time you know it was just logic for him to become a billionaire and so so with that million it wasn't it wasn't like michelin restaurants or fancy cars like it was chips on the table you know he could develop more real estate projects that was what he spent his money on and whenever he stopped doing that he, he would then start investing in stocks and buying businesses and the entire point is that you have to love the game. If you don't love the game, yeah. if you don't, if you do it for spending, um, no, that's <laughs> it's just be that's too hard for you to point. get there. Yeah, that's such a good point. I mean, like I, I, you've, I'm sure you've heard the same studies or whatever. But like most uh, athletes, like professional football players who make millions of dollars, end up going bankrupt or, or a good portion of them, or people who win the lottery within like three years, they're flat broke again. Because like the the mindset behind becoming a billionaire or a millionaire is very different than the mindset behind uh, just the average person. And until you have that mindset and the mindset is like, when you get extra money, do you immediately go spend that money? That's a big piece of it. Uh, you know, today, like I, I make a good chunk of money. I make a, a good amount of money that comes in every year, but I dump almost all of it, or at least a sizable portion into either real estate or hiring people. Cause I think those are like the two best investments. Like for me is like, growing my business, which is the mobile home park empire that I'm trying to build. Uh, we're buying a bunch of mobile home parks through open door capital. So there's that. And then there's also like my own personal real estate where I'll actually put money into my own real estate fund or into other real estate deals, because those are the two things that fire me up. Uh, and so like, and I know David, you're the same way you take that extra income and you hire employees or you put it into real estate, uh, because that, that mentality just really drives people. Like, again, I, I'm glad you brought that up because most people, when they make an extra dollar, they figure out how to spend an extra dollar. They make an extra $10, they spend an extra $10. And it, and the worst part is when they do that by them trapping themselves in a lifestyle where they have to continue doing that forever. And therefore they never get ahead. They never get the extra savings. Like I know people who are living paycheck to paycheck making a half million dollars a year. And it's like, they can't get out because they got their, you know, $900 a month car payments and three of them. And you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. David, what do you think on that? I think this is one of the most brilliant things ever anyone has ever said on our <laughs> podcast. And I love its brilliance is in its simplicity because it applies to everyone that if you, if you want to spend a million dollars, which was the point you're never going to, well, not never, but you are less likely to make a million dollars because when you study the people that are millionaires, they're not asking that question of what would I spend it on? When you said that to me, I remember when you asked that question, what would you do with a million dollars? I remember being around 21, 22 years old and asking myself that question and, and thinking I honestly would tell someone I don't want that money because I knew it would crush me, that I didn't have a foundation to support the weight of having a million dollars. 
and that I knew that I needed to build it, but that what I would gain in the process of building that foundation would allow me to, you know, have much more than a million dollars. And then Brandon, your point of when you're spending money, you are loath to now invest because investing is risky. If I put my money into this deal, I'm always asking myself, what would happen if it goes wrong? What happens if the price of the asset drops? What happens if I have vacancy? I'm always asking worst case scenario. And I think most people naturally think that way. Well, when you're a saver and you have low expenses, you feel much more comfortable taking the risk that you need to build the asset class to become a millionaire. When you're not good at saving and you know that, or you don't have a lot of money in the bank, when someone presents you with the opportunity that the millionaire would jump on, the first thing you think is, what if it goes wrong? I can't support this. And then you don't take action. So it really is an amplified process of saving money allows you to be more aggressive with making investments, which grows your net worth, which makes you more experienced, which gives you more opportunity. And you love that game as opposed to as soon as I get a dollar, I spend it. So I'm always afraid to invest and I can't get out of my job and putting all my time into this W-2 because I need it to pay for the things that I've already bought, that I, I the car payment, the, the big house, whatever it was. It really is that simple. And each of you made amazing points. I just, I could talk about this forever. I think everyone should listen to this and really ask themselves that question. If I got a million dollars right now, what would I do with it? Mm-hmm. That's good. So Stig, let's talk about the, so the first one was billionaires. They want to become millionaires. And I like to tell people like, like wealth is not an accident. Wealth is not a, you know, like I got lucky. I got in the right place at the right time. I mean, yes, there are examples of that, but almost every wealthy person I know became wealthy because they were intentional about becoming wealthy. Like they, they, it's a skill. Like I wasn't born naturally good at anything, but crying and, you know, crap in my pants, <laughs> but like I, I'm good like today at real estate because I, I, it's something I, I practiced and I read about and I studied and I followed the fire to get there. So if that's the first thing is they want billionaires like had an intention about it and they want to become millionaires. What, what was that second thing? Let's, let's move into there. Yeah. So the second thing would be that billionaires take uh, asymmetric bets. And, you know, you, you always hear that, you know, uh, great risk, great rewards. And, you know, billionaires would just disagree with that. I mean, you you could still take bets that if you're right, you would be ridiculously rich. And if you're wrong, you just, you just didn't lose much. And so, you know, yeah. if you take the story of uh, Richard Branson, you know, he, uh, and this was all the way back in 1984, but I just love this story. You know, he was... He was stuck trying to leave Puerto Rico for the British uh, Virgin Islands, and his his flight was grounded. So he figured out how much it would cost to charter a plane from Boeing, and then he compared that to how much you know if you had to pull that across all the the passengers, how much would that be? Uh, in case you're wondering, that would be thirty nine dollars apparently. And so you know he he just went you know down the aisle trying to uh, trying to sell tickets just to, to test it out, you know, talk about a minimal vinyl product. He didn't even have a plane at the time, right? And so that was yep. really the the birth of Virgin Airlines. And and you probably know that as a, as a discount carrier today. And you might be thinking, well, starting an airline, that is that is super, super expensive. Like how how can we how can we do that? Was it because he was super rich? Like he already had a record company at the time, but he actually didn't make that much money because of that. And it does take a few million dollars to you know buy a commercial plane. But what he actually did was he called up Boeing, and he can be very very persuasive, and he he convinced them that you know he would he would try and lease a plane just for one trip, you know just one trip, and 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 the plane he was he was talking about that was already I mean it was already grounded like he could he could just you know hey let me just pay the operating cost just for one flight and you know and you know his what he said to to Boeing you know if if this is successful. I'll buy the plane. But mm-hmm. if this is if this is not successful, you know, yeah, I don't know if you're going to lose money, but at least I'm going to pay for, you know, one trip. And so he gave Boeing a, a asymmetric bet. And in return, he himself got an asymmetric bet. Because, yeah, what, what happened if he was successful? Well, you I mean, yeah, he probably had to sell a few bucks for that. But, you know, if he was successful and he was pretty sure he, he would be, you know, he could start his own company and he would get you know, validation right then and there, whether or not it would be uh, effective. And so, you know, we, we've seen that story so many times. I could also mention, you know, Bill Gates starting Microsoft with Paul Allen. You know, he, he dropped out of college, as I'm sure you guys know, because, you know, he was worried that he would, 
you would miss out on the personal computer revolution. So he basically made a deal with his parents that if he couldn't make Microsoft successful, well, you know, he would just go back to school. Yeah. And uh, so that was an astromantic bet. You know, if he was right, you know, hey, that's Microsoft. And if, if he was wrong, I mean, what did he lose? Like a semester, two? Yeah. And he would probably get an education worth much more than the one he was getting just from failing in doing Microsoft. So we just see a lot of those astromantic bets with, with all the billionaires that we are studying. Dude, that's such a good point. Because oftentimes I think we look at bets and we look at things as like a 50-50 odds. Like, well, if I win, I'm gonna get a lot of money. Cause like that's how gambling, right? Like you put all your money on black or you, you know, whatever. It's like you either win or you lose, and you lose everything or you win a, a lot. But the reality is with business, especially, and I see it a lot in real estate, in that like there's so many opportunities where there's tiny, minuscule risk with the opportunity for significant reward. It's like so out of balance. Uh, in our favor that it's not like, well, I think most people, when they think of investing, they think of real estate or they think of stocks or think of any kind of investing as a, that's risky boy. You know, you sure you want to be putting your money in that? You might lose everything. It's like the world thinks it's like a 50, 50 chance. You're going to lose everything. And that's what investing is, but it's not, it's, it's usually like starting a business doesn't cost that much, but the upside is huge. Uh, you know, buying a, a real estate deal, even making an offer. I mean, here's a real tangible example. You know, we make offers on real estate deals all the time. David does as well, right? We're making offers on deals. Like worst case, usually let's say, for example, I'm going to go offer on a million dollar mobile home park, right? I'm going to put down $10,000 in earnest money. Now that sounds like a lot of money, $10,000 that I'm risking. But the truth is like, I get that money back if I back out for the right reason. So there's a lot of these bumpers we set up to be able to reduce our risk. And then even if, even if at the end of the day, I didn't get that $10,000 back, that's $10,000 at a very low chance of losing 10 grand and a very big chance of making hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so like, especially when you're talking investing, we're talking about five, 10, 20, 30 year timelines. It's almost, I mean, as long as I can manage correctly, there's almost no chance of me not making hundreds of thousands of dollars off that. So that's that asymmetric like bet that billionaires are making. That, that's kind of what you're saying. Am I, am I summarizing that well? Right, yeah, much better than me, by the way. But yes, no, it's exactly what I'm so. saying, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, that's so. It, again, it's another one of those points I never really thought about because, again, like I think the world just kind of looks at these bets as, as a fifty-fifty. David, what are your thoughts on that? It's another brilliant point, and I think as a, as you were talking, Stig, I was thinking about why it is that people tend to think that risk and reward are always equal. That the the more money I can make, that inherently there has to be more risk. And it's always the inexperienced who assume that. When people ask Brandon and I, should I flip a house? I don't know. What if I lose all my money? What if it doesn't sell? We in, we tend to inherently give advice. Well, could you rent it out if it didn't make money on the flip? If your rehab yeah, budget yep. went too high, would it cash flow? That's an, a perfect example of how we are naturally oh, thinking. Dude, That okay, so true stories. This is, this, I've said this on the podcast before, I think. But when I was looking at moving to Hawaii a couple of years ago, and I was looking, I mean, my house is before we're like in the $200,000 range. Like that was a big house for me. And then all of a sudden there's this property that's almost $2 million out here in Hawaii that I really loved. I fell in love with this house. I know they say don't fall in love with your house, but I fell in love with the house. And I called Dave and I was like, dude, there's this amazing house. There's no way I'm going to buy this thing. There's no way I can do this. It's, it's 10 times more than anything I'd ever bought before. And he asked like in the, the, the logic he walked me through was let's walk through the downside. So let's say you have to rent out the property. It's a, it's a three unit property. So you have to rent out all three units. What happens? I'm like, oh, I guess I break even. He's like, okay, so what's the upside? What could you get if you, if you held this property? Is it going to be worth more or less than $2 million 20 years from now in Hawaii with an ocean view and a pool? Oh, I guess it's going to be worth a whole lot more than that. He's like, so what you're telling me, Brandon, is that worst case scenario you invest in something and you break even for a while and then it's worth millions of dollars more later. And best case, you live in Hawaii, live for free or cheap because you're house hacking and get to enjoy Hawaii life and uh, have millions of dollars later on. And I'm like, like that was the conversation that cha completely changed my life because I was like, David, you're right. And I put the offer on the property. We bought the property. Now I live in Maui and I live cheaper than I would in, in most areas. Uh, and And so like, that was just another example of that bet that in my head, I was thinking like 50-50 or that, that I'm making a crazy bet, but I really wasn't. Wow, that's, that's an amazing story. And, you oh, know, thanks. I mean, that's you, absolutely David. amazing. <laughs> yeah, right. 
God, I mean, and and you're right because you know it just seems to be like a binary income. You know, uh, sorry, a binary choice, right? You're like either you're gonna have you know you're you're set for life, or you got yeah. you're just gonna you mm-hmm. know be in debt prison the rest of your life, and and yeah. you know, that's that's totally not the two scenarios that we're yeah, it's working not, with. It's, it's not. It's not. It actually reminds me of one of my favorite quotes of all time. Uh, I think it was Mark Cuban said it. I'm pretty sure he said. The great thing about entrepreneurship, I'm probably butchering the quote, but the great thing about entrepreneurship is you only have to be right once. And what he meant by that is you could start something and then it, it fails and you learn a little bit. So, you know, I don't even know if I'd call it a failure, but you start something else and then it fails and you start something else and it fails. You start something else, and you make $4 million and you sell that company for 4 million bucks and you're like, oh, well now I'm set for life. So again, it's, I love that idea that like these, these asymmetric bets that there's things we can do and that what shifting our mindset of it's risky to it's really not very risky, but the upside is tremendous. I think that's just a great way of thinking. That's cool, man. Yeah. And let's, Hey, let's talk about my Cuban because the, the third thing, the third uh, characteristic that we see with billionaires is that they're just, they're just learning machines. Right. And so whenever people think about my Cuban, they might be thinking Chuck's tank or, you know, Dallas Mavericks, whatever, but you know, he is just the most ferocious reader that you can think of, you know, reading Mm. four or five hours today. And I mean, he doesn't have to, if you think about, you know, reading to become a billionaire because, you know, he, he made it right. Yeah. And so, you know, whenever he started out, you know, he, he was trying to sell, uh, you know, computer software, you know, in, in Dallas and, and, you know, went to the library, you know, every single day to study those manuals and bring them, bring, uh, the manuals home with him just to, so he could excel in that because the other guys he was competing with, you know, they have their fancy degrees and, you know, they, they said all the right things, but he was like, Hey, if I spend, you know, four or five, eight, hours a day what not learning about this i can probably compete with them in no time and he was he was you know right and especially like if you're in sales you know yeah degrees are one thing but like if you can if you can sell <laughs> you know everyone wants to work with you i mean that's just just so so powerful and so he yeah. said there was really you know hey you can pen pay you know tens of thousands of dollars going to college or you know spend 20 bucks and read one book in one day, which is the most valuable lesson another accomplished person have spent a lifetime learning. You know, th- and that was just his his process. And to me, that was just absolutely amazing. But 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 Cuban is really just one example. I mean, billionaires are by nature just super super competitive because mm. business is the ultimate sport. I think that's a quote I have from yep. Mark Cuban, right? Yep. And so you compete twenty four seven, and if you don't keep learning, you'll just just loose. I mean, the yeah. only way to stay competitive is to, it's just doing like going into the right habits, learning, outperform your, your, your um, competitors just by, by being smarter than them. And yes, we can, I mean, we can enjoy the proceeds, but going back to the first point there is that as much as you can enjoy your proceeds, it has to be a habit. It has to be something that's fun. And billionaires, yes, they like having a billion dollars, but it's fun for them. It's a, I don't want this to sound condescending in any way if I say it's a game because then people are like, oh, you don't respect other people. That's not my point at all. But it's 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 a game. They they like they like the game. You know, you're you're sitting in your yep. you know multi million Hawaii you know yeah. mansion, but you still do what you do because like you're still hungry. And if you weren't hungry, that's I mean you probably wouldn't have gotten there in the first place. Yeah, it is a game. I talk about that all the time, like the game of real estate, the game of investing, the game of all like and when you think of it that way, it doesn't mean you take it lightly. Like I don't I mean, you, you if you've ever seen me play Monopoly, you know I don't take games lightly. But like I like it's it's a game. It's something that that's fun. It's exciting. I I like doing it. Um this is this is phenomenal. I mean, those three things for billionaires, like the fact that they they do study and they're they're voracious readers. I love that. Uh, it makes me feel like, hey, maybe I got a shot at this billionaire thing because I read all the time. I love reading. Uh, and whether or not it's listening to audiobooks or podcasts, it's just education, right? They're learners, uh, lifetime learners. And then the, the asymmetric bets was, um, uh, you know, just solid. And then just that intentionality become they want to become a millionaire or, you know, billionaire uh, down the road. I think it is solid. Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? 
That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, to get six months of rent ready for $1. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. I, I want to shift a little bit and I want to talk about something that you are really good at and I'm really bad at. Uh, and that is the stock market. Um, so I don't want to spend you know a ton of time dissecting the, the ins and outs of the stock market, but for somebody who maybe wants to get started, like diversifying their portfolio, maybe they've doing real estate for a while and they want to start setting aside money in the stocks. Where do I start? Like, you know, yeah, what's, what's the first steps? What, what have you found to be, to be a successful strategy? Where should I go? So it's a, it's a very great question that you, uh, I mean, it's a, it's something we should all ask, uh, you know, when we're starting, like, are we sure that we are, uh, that we're following the right path? And you might be like, oh, God, stock investing, I don't do anything, where should I start? And, you know, I would start studying Warren Buffett, you know, not just because Warren Buffett is, you know, probably the best investor in history, but he's also a great teacher whenever it comes to investing. And you just need to have this solid foundation whenever you start up. I mean, you can always and should always tweak your approach as you become smarter, but, you know, you'll just drift around and confuse yourself if, if you don't have a solid starting point. And, you know, I, I could say the same thing. Uh, you know, where do you start whenever, you know, you're in real estate? And I, it's not just because I'm here, but, you know, go to bigger pockets <laughs> because, you know, bigger pockets, that's the Ten Commandments, right? So you might tweak it, you know, you might improve on a few things, you might find something that really works for you, but, you know, have it, have a solid foundation uh, before you start because otherwise you'll just be hearing too much noise and too many things that just doesn't make any sense. And so whenever you do start learning about Warren Buffett, you know, one of two things will probably happen. Perhaps you will say to yourself, I just love reading financial statements, you know, and, and, and other things you don't say on the first day. But yeah. <laughs> you, you would say something along those lines because you just find that you've never really been exposed to stocks before, but it's just so much fun. And if that's what you, what you want to do, that's great. You know, definitely stocks, stocks are for you. I mean, that's, that's the fire you're talking about in the beginning, right? Then the more likely thing that will happen is that you find stock investing super boring. And you can see why it makes sense in terms of, of compounding your wealth. You can see you want to diversify out of real estate, but you don't really 
enjoy the process, and and that's completely fine too. So what I would just say to that is, if you really find stock investing interesting, it's okay to pick individual stocks. You know, read those financial statements. You know, learn about those companies. That's great. You know, who knows? You might be the next you know Warren Buffett. If you don't enjoy it, you know, buy an ETF. You know, buy you know a global stock market ETF, something really really cheap from something like Vanguard. And just say, you know, I'm just going to put, you know, the same amount into that stock market every single day. I I won't get the same amazing returns as I'll be doing in, in real estate. But, you know, I don't have to because I don't spend any time on it. And it's uh, something yeah. that's not as correlated. And it's just, it's just uh, in terms of a mindset, you're like, you're doing okay. You're probably going to do more uh, better than most, but you will get the average because you're buying the average and, and that's okay too. Yeah. I think a lot of people look at investing like it's a science because it involves money. Just give me the step-by-step blueprint and I have to do it well. But what you're saying here, Stig, is that it's more of an art. It's like a sport. We can all love sport. We all want to play sports. It doesn't mean that Brandon and I are going to pick the same sport based on our body type or what we love. Stig is drawn to a different sport than David or Brandon would be drawn to. So that's the first thing is give yourself permission to chase the sport that you feel like you would be best at. You know, Brandon and I talk and he wanted to go train jujitsu because he's built like Dalsam from Street Fighter. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it wouldn't make sense for him to be a horse jockey. That would be terrible. Like the horse could probably ride Brandon. That's don't li- how he's Don't built. limit me, David. Don't limit All me. All right. Okay, Seabiscuit. We'll <laughs> let you get out there. But even athletes, this is a, to build on your point, Stig, they train in other sports to help them. You see a lot of defensive or offensive linemen in the NFL that train MMA because they're trying to build a base. They're trying to get better with their hands and their feet moving. And they see elements from MMA that will help them in their job. So I think there's absolutely a place for the real estate investor to have part of their portfolio in stocks or the stock market person to have some other options. If you look at business like it's a sport, you'll give yourself permission to make those decisions. And Stig, you also made a great point that it's not it's not disrespectful to call it a sport just because there's money involved. If you look at professional athletes playing a game, most of them are more passionate and take that more serious than everybody who's going to work every day at their W-2 job that are not engaged in it. They don't want to be there. You know, Tom Brady just ripped apart my Raiders yesterday at 43 years old, somehow still just so passionate about playing this game. And we all admire that. Tom Brady said, I want to be a quarterback. I don't care if I have have physical limitations or I'm 43 years old or I can never eat a tomato for the rest of my life because they're unhealthy. I love to see the people that have that same bit, that same passion with what they're doing, where they're investing and how they're building their wealth. Yeah, that's really good, man. Stig, when it comes to the people that you see are successful at what they're doing, have you picked up on a pattern that certain personalities tend to do better with certain types of investing? You know, I think it, it, it comes back to, uh, like what, what really fires you up? And, and let me try to put that into two different categories. Um, I, I found that people tend to be either tangible or intangible. And so I, I'm not a tangible person. Like if you if you told me how to like, I don't know, fix a, fix a toilet or, you know, put up a sink or like I, I, I'm I'm like all thumbs, right? I can't do any of that. So I think there is a tendency to be a lot of people are very tangible and they're very good in um, in real estate investing. You know, they, they go out there, they like they look at the property, they're like, they, they just have like intuition for it. And it probably, there's probably something like in the first five minutes are like, this is, this is great. You know, t- using, using Brandon's metaphor before, you know, about falling in love with, with the house in Hawaii, you know, I, I fell in love with stock investing. I'm an intangible guy. You know, I, I, I don't want to 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 drive different places and look at properties. That that's just not my game. I don't have any issues with them. I'm I'm sort of like using my own my own playbook in terms of you know I am invested in real estate, but I have another person doing it who I trust who are much better than me because he's changeable. Whereas for me, it's like it has to it has to make sense. You know, Warren Buffett Warren Buffett is quoted by saying, um, "If it doesn't make sense for you right away." It will never make sense, mm. and I think that I think there is something to it. I know it sounds very, uh, perhaps very negative, and you're like, "Oh my god!" You know, I've been listening to three episodes of The Bigger Pockets now, and I don't know if I want to be a real estate investor. That that's not what I'm saying at all. That's not the point. It's like either it resonates with you, like, "Oh, I should actually go into real estate because you know that will give me a lot of independence. I can have a different life." If that doesn't resonate, if you're like, 
that's just a lot of work and I have less time to watch Netflix. You know, no, that's mm, that's probably yeah. not the way to go. Mm. So um, I don't know if I really responded to your question there, David. I feel I'm sort of like digressing. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was sort of like my, my thoughts on some people are just more prone to do one thing compared to, to, to another. I think it's a great litmus test for the people that are trying to find their way. If you, if you believe I'm sup- investing equals stocks and you look at this and you think, oh, I hate it. I just don't enjoy this. That isn't the way to go. And I think in general, the more successful that people become in business, the quicker they start to realize they hire the wrong person for the job. It feels wrong. You know it's wrong. You keep sticking it out trying to get that person there and they never do. And this it applies to what you're talking about as well. And I think that's why this fire point is so good because when you feel that fire, you're going to pursue it. You're going to be passionate. You're going to learn how to be good at that. And if you don't have it, you're not going to put the time in. So it's very simple and success can be simple. You just follow that feeling. Yeah, that's really good, man. Uh, we're, we're getting toward the end of our show now. And, and so I want to, I want to move away from the stock thing, but before I do, uh, I want to just ask like, mistakes like for those people who are getting into stocks because i i do plan to start investing more and more into those passive forms of investing because i'm getting tired of you know not that i change toilets anymore but the more physical stuff i'm I'm working more and more towards the passive uh side of my career and as i do i'll be doing more stocks so what are the mistakes that a lot of stock investors make i would say that and let me first start by praising by praising your community because i think that real estate investors really have a leg up compared to stock investors perhaps because it is more tangible and, you know, so whenever you do your first deal, I really do think that that those real estate investors have an advantage because let's say, you know, they get a quote and, you know, $100,000, whatever the quote is for that. And they're, they're thinking already, okay, so, so what am I paying and what am I getting? And, and you know, they, they make some assumptions about that. And so whenever I'm thinking about, say, your first deal, and, and you would probably tell me, you know, you made a lot of mistakes. I think everyone makes mistakes whenever they do the first sure. deal. but. I hope at least you were like, oh, you know, how much does the property cost? You know, what type of cash flow would it generate? Uh, what do I think it's worth? And you might, again, you might be wrong in your assessment, but at least that was your train of thought. Stock investors tend not to be as smart. And that definitely includes me whenever I, I started uh, investing. And our way of thinking um, in the beginning goes along the lines of, hey, I like Apple's products. I should buy Apple stock. Mm. Or I... I like to say that Mark Zuckerberg is working for me, so I'm going to own Facebook stocks. And I don't think I ever heard of any investor who, or any stock investor who started out by saying, what is the stock worth? And then compare it to the price it's trading at. It's just, this just seems to be like a mental blocking whenever it comes to stocks compared to real estate where you're like, yeah, you know what? Mm. What are similar properties being sold for? You know, even if you're, even if you're wrong, you can sort of like have an idea of what it is. For stocks, it's like, ah. Apple is trading at 320, but I heard it's more worth more than trillion dollars or two trillion dollars. Okay, I'm gonna buy it 322. Like th- that's just like that's typically just the way of thinking, and I'm definitely guilty as charged. So I think that is. You know, it reminds me of it reminds me of uh, real estate investors who are like, oh, I love that kitchen. Oh, that color of the kitchen cabinet's beautiful. Let's buy that property as an investment. It's like wait. Wait, wait, wait. That doesn't that doesn't make any logical sense whatsoever. But that's what you're saying. Like people will do often in, in stocks is they'll, they'll like the product or they'll like the person. And that's why they choose to invest in it, not because of the fundamentals of the company. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, going to going to Walmart, you know, we want things that are cheap. You know, whenever it comes to stocks and you can probably say the th- same thing about, in a, you know, in a hot, hot real estate market. You just want to like, it's just FOMO, right? Like you want to get in because it's only getting higher and you can't, you don't think about you know what what the property of the stock cost uh, and what it's worth more importantly, and so I think that's generally an issue for most investors, but especially for something uh, for something like, like like stocks that is so intangible. I think it's it's a it's it's more of a pain for those investors than for other asset classes. So for anyone who are, who are considering jumping into to stock investing, I would say if you don't know how to value a stock. Don't buy it. If you don't know what a property is worth, you know, don't buy it. It's it's yeah. that simple, but it's still it's still very profound. At least, you know, I I didn't really think too much about it whenever I started, and and I've just heard that story so many times. And and so, if anything, you can take away from that from this interview, I'd say, you know, knowing the difference between you know price and value, it's just so important. That's really good, man. 
Well, there's no comparables for a stock. You can't say, well, that the one down the street sold for X, so this one should be worth Y. And you're, it's really more akin to valuing it based on the price to rent ratio or the ROI that you can get on the investment. Like investors tend to look at this from a cash flow. If we look at the internal rate of return and we say, okay, how much could my money do here versus there? It's more similar when you're evaluating a company is you're saying, what is the strength of this company and how much would I expect it to grow the money versus, well, Google traded at this and some other tech company traded at that. That other company is cheaper than Google, so they must be the better bet. Yeah, and, and and I think you bring up a good point because for many many probably and keep in mind, you know, I have very little knowledge about about real estate investing, but you sort of have an idea of like what kind of cash flow can it generate for something like something like Google or you know you can make you know, talk about any other company for at least for a lot of companies, you know, those earnings are just all over the place. So for you to sit and estimate, oh, what are the cash flows going to be the next thirty years? It's actually not as complicated as it sounds like. But I think it seems stock investing seems too it seems too difficult to even get started with. And then whenever you hear like, you know, hey, I should be investing in stocks, you're just like, oh, let me just buy that Apple stock or let me just buy that mm. Amazon. I, I use Amazon all the time. Let's just buy that stock. It's it's gone up lately, so why don't you just do that? And I think that's that it's very, very difficult. It's a difficult game to play because we primarily talked about, you know, going to a stock. But that's one thing. When are you going to, to go out of the stock? Like, if you don't know what it's worth, when will you sell it? Like, when will yeah. you sell that and buy a, something else? I mean, it, it's just, it's just a, a game you don't want to play. Yeah, man. That's, very wise. Yeah, very much so. All right, well, let's move on to the last segment of our show here. This is called our Famous Four. This is the part of the show where we ask the same four questions every week to every guest. But we're going to alter them a little bit today because it's not a real estate specifically focused show. We'll call it the famous, you know, three and a half, we'll call it. Uh, but before we get to that, let's hear what's going on this week over around the Bigger Pockets Podcast Network. Hey, Brandon and David. This past Monday on the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, Scott and I sat down with Nick Groover and reviewed his finances to see where he could make improvements to further himself down the path to financial independence. If you're feeling stuck in your finances and need a boost, this episode could be super helpful. Okay, now it's time for the famous four. So let's get to the famous four. Again, we're going to alter this a little bit. Normally we ask what somebody's favorite real estate related book is, but I want to alter that a little bit and say, what's an episode of your podcast that people should go listen to uh, later to kind of, you know, get an idea of what you guys have to offer. What's a good episode to refer people to? So we, we study billionaires, obviously, and I could give a lot of handouts, but you know, and in the end, you know, business, you know, it's, it's all about business and, whether it's stock investing, real estate investing, you know, it, it's all about people. You know, if you if yeah. you understand people, especially if you understand people in a uh, in a business context, you know, you you just like you way ahead of the pack. So, I would recommend uh, a book uh, called Never Split the Difference. We just did an interview with the author oh. Chris Voss, uh, yeah. and I highly recommend that. It just came out here a few weeks ago, so definitely worth listening to that. Pick up the book if you can, but if you don't want to do it, you can also just listen to the podcast. But other than that, you know, we we talk about you know everything else. But I also want to highlight that I'm gonna have Brandon and David with us yeah. uh, <laughs> here in the month or so. So we talk primarily about stock investing, but once in a while we are lucky to talk about other things, and we'll be talking about real estate investing too. So starting billionaires, we have a focus on 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 stock investing, but you know. Anything that could make you wealthy, we are studying that, and and that definitely falls into that category. All right, Stig, next question from me. In your own life with your goals, what are you most excited about in your future? So I have this goal, and I, it, I know it, it probably comes off wrong. I, I just want to put all the disclaimers that, that I have. <laughs> I, I would really like to build schools. Like that's my mm. that's my passion. Uh, I mean, this studying billionaires, investing that is, I absolutely love that. It's step one. Uh, step two. Uh, I used to be a teacher. I guess you could still say I'm a teacher now. Uh, that is to to build schools in developing countries. I don't really have like the blueprint, even though I have a lot of ideas in terms of how to do it. But that is that is what I'm mostly excited about. And until then, I'm very excited about what I do right now. But that's that's the master plan now that you're now that you're asking. 
All right, man. I like it. That's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, you want to disseminate all this information that you've gathered and get it exposed to as much people as possible. I, I love that. Cool, man. All right. My last question of the day, and then David's got one more to kind of wrap us up with, but in your view, what separates successful investors or you know even billionaires from those who give up or they fail or they just never get started? So let me... Uh... Let me use the example of Warren Buffett. I know I keep on going back to Warren Buffett or even Chalamonga for that matter. And you're like, why, why do Stick need to like come up with like old dudes at least nine years old? <laughs> and the reason for that is really that uh, we also find there's a lot of timeless principles in becoming wealthy, you know, Richest Man of Babylon, you know, yeah. and, and so many other, other great books. And, and so we, we sort of like want to see what, you know, stands the test of time. And you know, Warren Buffett said that if he weren't a millionaire by the time he turned 30, he would jump off the tallest building in Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> and this is not my way of saying that you know, billionaires are just suicidal. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> not the point at all. But he really had a laser focus on everything he was doing. And he had a plan. You know, as, as you said, you know, wealth doesn't come by, by accident. And they take, they take full responsibility. Let me let me give you an example with with Charlie Munger. You know, his right hand man, vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway. You know, he he lost his son. It's a terrible story. He lost his son, nine years old of of leukemia and literally dying in his arms. I mean, that absolutely horrible, horrible thing happening. And later, he lost his sight on his left eye from a failed surgery. And so, yeah. So let's talk about the latter. So what did he do? Did he sue the doctor? No, he said that he felt he didn't do his research probably because he went to an eye doctor and with that procedure, there was a 5% complication rate. He didn't go with another doctor who had a new procedure with a 2% complication rate. So he was like, I could be blaming the doctor. First of all, it wouldn't help. But what could I have done? Really taking that extreme, extreme ownership because you can't really choose your problems. I know this is cliche that you can't choose your problems, but you can, you can choose your mindset. Uh, I just found that so, so valuable. And you know, wh- whenever you, you look at you know, virtues that you really admire, you know, it's, it's typically something that's not, it's not difficult to acquire. At least it shouldn't be. I mean, you might be thinking LeBron is you know, awesome, but you, know, <laughs> you don't need to be you know, MVP or something to be, to be awesome. Like if you really think, look around and they're like, oh, who do I, who am I? I, I really like uh, you know, David. You know, David's coming up with all these great ideas. He's, he's kind. He, he's humble. I mean, all of those things are you know, virtues that you can acquire yourself. It's like no cost. You have to put in a bit of work, but you can, you can decide to be that person. It's not being like seven feet tall. I mean, that's not that, that's not the point. And so yeah. that separates um, billionaires and and you know the rest of us. I'm definitely a work in progress. Well, I love that you bring up the the, the taking ownership and the story of Charlie Charlie Munger and his eye because like I, it just relates back to something I literally did this last night. Last night I get home. I was out at the beach with my family or something, and we get home, and there's a diaper. No, it, was, it wasn't a totally disgusting diaper, but it was a diaper all shredded over the floor in my room. My dog had taken this diaper and just shredded it. And I literally yelled the words out loud, ah, stupid dog. And then I was like, wait, the dog didn't go into the garbage and pull it out. Like I left the diaper after changing my son's diaper on the floor with my dog in the room, knowing like that that would happen. It's like, who was the stupid dog in that situation? (laughs) Was that my dog or was that me? And I think there, like, it was this moment where I was like, stupid Brandon <laughs> like I had to like realize like it wasn't the dog and I think that's such a, a an analogy for life of oftentimes we we yell at things like oh stupid this stupid that this is annoying ah oh, COVID stopped all my plans right but in reality like I mean not that we're responsible for everything but you know we we have a tremendous amount of responsibility and and the way that we direct our life. And so I guess, yeah, look at that next time ever when you're listening to this and you, you get angry at something, ask yourself, was it the dog being stupid or was it you being stupid? And I think that's what billionaires do. Uh, well, with, with that said, David Green, you want to take us out of here, ask your final questions and we'll wrap this thing up. This has been amazing. That was a great point, Brandon. Thanks for sharing that. Well, thank you. Thanks, stupid dog. Last question of the show. <laughs> Stig, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you very much for sharing your time with us. Where can people find out more about you? 
So uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to give a plug. Uh, people can search for The Investors Podcast Network. Uh, we have multiple shows, Millennial Investing. We even have one about real estate investing, but you are free to edit that out. Um, we have... Oh, we'll, we'll plug it. Oh, God, you guys are the best. We have something about work-life balance and then uh, also uh, my show, We Study Billionaires, that I host with my good friend Preston Pish. And every week we talk about financial markets, billionaires, and business, mostly on the stock market, like I mentioned there, but really anything, you know, commodities, gold, bonds, whatever you can think of. So... Yeah, that's where you can find us. Awesome. Very cool, man. This has been phenomenal. Really, really enjoyed having you on the show today. Learned a ton. I can't wait to do it uh, and and chat with you about real estate on your show in the coming weeks. And uh, David Green, get us out of here. Thank you very much, Stig. This is David Green for Brandon Future Horse Jockey Turner signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the BiggerPockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.